Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. America is back. Diplomacy is back at the center of our foreign policy. We will repair our alliances and engage with the world once again, not to meet yesterday's challenges, but today's and tomorrow's. President Joe Biden has pledged to bring a country that has been focused inwards for the past four years back to the world stage. But doing so is not going to be easy. There are important relationships to repair and a major global competitor to rein in. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. The Biden administration has put a focus this month on what they call restoring America's place in the world, a plan to reverse the isolationist policies of the former president. So this week, as part of our look at the biggest policy challenges, goals, and pitfalls of President Biden's first 100 days, we're going to look at foreign policy, specifically the U.S.-China relationship. It will require a whole-of-government effort bipartisan cooperation in Congress, and strong alliances and partnerships. That's how we'll meet the China challenge and ensure the American people win the competition of the future. Now, this relationship can have a profound effect on the lives of Americans. Not only do we have an ongoing trade war, driving up the cost of many Chinese goods for American companies, but we also need to partner with China to tackle some of the most pressing issues the world faces today climate change, the current pandemic, these are the areas where it's essential the U.S. gets China to cooperate. So today, I'll be joined by one of the leading experts on Chinese domestic and foreign policy, and together we'll break down how and why President Biden's foreign policy and his approach to China differ from former President Trump's and what lies ahead for U.S.-China relations under this new administration. It's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. To better understand Biden's foreign policy approach to China, I turn to Dr. Elizabeth Economy. Managing the relationship with China is certainly one of the most complicated and important challenges that any U.S. president faces, and President Biden is no different. Dr. Economy is a senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution, and she's been studying and writing about China for decades. We spoke first about why all of this is so important. I think that most Americans have long understood the importance of foreign policy when it comes to issues like trade or war. These are issues that really very directly affect our lives and livelihoods. And certainly in the past year with COVID-19, the pandemic, as you mentioned, uh, but also climate change, I think many more Americans have come to appreciate that these issues actually matter very much for them as well. So I actually feel as though a lot of Americans have come to appreciate the importance of foreign policy over the past few years in, in new and important ways. So obviously Biden is coming in. He wants to be the anti-Trump in all ways. Trump's doctrine was America first. Biden wants to do something different. 
How much progress do you think he's made so far? Obviously, it's only been a couple of weeks into his administration so far. He signaled, frankly, even months in advance of taking office, the type of foreign policy that he was going to pursue. And I think it differed fairly fundamentally from that of President Trump in a couple of ways. Number one was a reassertion of U.S. leadership on the global stage and a commitment to addressing global challenges like the pandemic, like climate change, like the refugee crisis. The second big difference was a new commitment to our allies. And then the third, I think, fairly significant shift is actually one on the home front, and that's a new commitment to American resilience, both in terms of what we represent, you know, in terms of our democratic values, but also in terms of shoring up our economy, because we can't exert a leadership role on the global stage unless we're strong at home and reflect those same values that we want others to adopt here at home. I'm not going to do it the way Trump did. We're going to focus on international rules of the road. And as Dr. Economy explains, a big part of Biden's plan to re-engage with the world hinges on combating China's global rise and future ambitions. China is one of our largest trading partners. It has an enormous and expanding market that has welcomed U.S. goods, everything from semiconductors to soybeans. Chinese students, there are upwards of 300,000 Chinese students in the United States studying. So they contribute to the coffers of our you know, universities and, and colleges. And Chinese tourists are an enormous source of sort of the overall global tourist economy here in the United States. And so I think, you know, there's a very direct economic impact for the United States and for Americans in terms of the trade and investment relationship with China. But of course, China also challenges the United States in many respects, and it doesn't play by the same rules. They provide their companies with exorbitant subsidies that give them an unfair advantage. They create an unfair playing field within their country by setting up non-market barriers to entry for multinationals, including U.S. firms. And of course, we know quite well that China is one of the largest sources of intellectual property theft from American companies. And so, you know, there are these opportunities that China presents on the one hand and some very significant challenges on the other. One of the other complicating factors with China is that they don't share many of the U.S.'s fundamental democratic values. This can create problems in all sorts of weird and unexpected ways. One classic example is from a couple of years ago, and that's when the Houston Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, tweeted, quote, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. The Houston Rockets in a battle with China. Controversy over a tweet by the Houston Rockets general manager supporting Hong Kong protesters. Because of his team's ties to Chinese basketball and because of the NBA's financial stake in China, there is considerable fallout from Beijing to Washington tonight. Now China plans to black out preseason games between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. And at least two major Chinese retailers have pulled Houston Rockets merchandise from their websites. And all of a sudden, you know, the entire NBA was suffering. For a year, uh, CCTV, the Chinese central television uh, company, refused to broadcast any NBA games. And the Houston Rockets lost their licensing agreements because of this one tweet. I mean, that's actually extraordinary. If you stop to think about it, another country trying to tell American citizens that they can't say what they want, frankly, on a platform, Twitter, that China doesn't even permit within its own country. So that's just one more example of the kinds of challenges that China poses for the United States. 
And President Trump, as he was leaving office, the waning weeks, the waning days, focused a bit on China policy. Can you talk about what Biden inherited from Trump? Many people, I think, believe that President Trump's legacy when it comes to China, especially as you're alluding to in the last month or two, you know, where he really started to put a lot of new policies on the books, you know, put scores of Chinese companies on the entities list, which means that U.S. companies have to get a special permit to sell to them. You know, he was pledging to pay for countries like Brazil and Ecuador to keep Huawei out of their 5G infrastructure. He sent high-level officials to Taiwan. He declared, you know, that what was going on in uh, Xinjiang, the far western autonomous region uh, of China, where there are upwards of a million Uyghur Muslims in labor and re-education camps, he called that genocide, or Secretary Pompeo called that genocide. So he undertook a lot of actions that sort of ramped up the level of contentiousness in the U.S.-China relationship. And on top of, I guess I should have mentioned, you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars in tariffs that he'd already placed on Chinese goods. But I think with all of this, many people believe that he made life more difficult for President Biden. I have a slightly different perspective, which is that, in fact, he's provided the Biden administration with real leverage because now President Biden can look at all these very tough measures that the Trump administration put in place and decide which ones he wants to keep, which ones he wants to get rid of, but get rid of them in a way that, you know, he forces China to bargain with the United States. So I I think there's a lot of good that came out of President Trump's sort of wide swing on China policy. He really reset, or his administration really reset the U.S.-China relationship in some, I think, important fundamental ways. What happens to those tariffs that President Trump was so proud of, bragging about? You say they didn't really do what he thought they would. So what does Biden do with them? I think over time, President Biden is going to roll them back. But I think that he will want his team to do a fairly careful study to ascertain whether any of those tariffs actually benefit Americans. So I think overall, some studies have been done which suggest that a couple of hundred thousand Americans have lost their jobs as a result of these tariffs and that the American economy as a whole has suffered a loss of about between 0.3 and 0.7% of GDP. So we know at a macro sense that has not been good for American workers and the American economy. But the question is, are there certain areas where maybe Americans did benefit? Uh, And and so in those areas, uh, President Biden could decide to, to keep the tariffs. So far, that seems to be exactly what President Biden is doing. His administration is keeping their options open. Take a listen to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken during his confirmation hearing. I also believe that President Trump was right in taking a tougher approach to China. I disagree very much with the way that he went about it in a number of areas, but the basic principle was the right one, and I think that's actually helpful. The Trump administration agreed to halt the trade war with China in early 2020, almost two years after it began, with the two countries agreeing to reduce some tariffs. China also agreed to purchase $200 billion worth of U.S. products over the next few years. But that deal didn't resolve a lot of the outstanding issues facing the American people. So as Dr. Economy says, more action from the Biden team could be on the table. When we come back, we'll have more on one of Biden's biggest challenges with China, human rights. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're back with Dr. Elizabeth Economy. So, Dr. Economy, one of the things that Biden will want to do is reassert America's commitment to upholding human rights around the world. And in addition to pushing China on economic and security issues, in his first more than two-hour call with Chinese President Xi, President Biden put a particular emphasis on human rights, including their crackdown in Hong Kong, the detainment of Uyghurs, and the treatment of Taiwan. How does a commitment to human rights complicate the U.S.'s relationship with China? Traditionally, there's been this idea that if we're tough on human rights, then China might not give us something on trade or on climate change. But I think what we've seen over the past several years is that we don't get much if we give. In fact, if we give, basically China will simply take more. And so, so I think, you know, we've learned our lesson and I don't think that, that the human rights push, that a tough line on human rights will actually cost the United States. In part, Unfortunately, that's because the Chinese don't much care what we say about their human rights abuses. And it's only if, in fact, we could muster, for example, a very large group of countries that would include not only our traditional democratic allies in Europe and Asia, but also perhaps some, you know, Muslim countries from the Middle East or Southeast Asia, to have them step forward to say, for example, that what China's doing in Xinjiang is genocide, right? It needs to be held to account. So I think it requires that other actors become involved to bring pressure to bear on China because typically China will simply say, we don't care what you have to say, United States. This is all about you just trying to contain us. And talk more about what is going on with the Uyghur population there. The Biden administration following the Trump administration calling uh, what's going on there, the detention of the Uyghur people, genocide. I mean, it is tragic. The most extreme sort of move policy initiative that they've made is the detention of, you know, upwards of a, a million Uyghur Muslims in these labor and re-education camps. They simply pull people, adults from their families, you know, leaving children without their parents and put them in these camps. And this is an effort basically to completely eliminate the Uyghur culture and so everything from the religion to cultural practices to, you know, having beards to the way that people dress, certainly practicing their religion in mosques, they are taking this all away 
from this ethnic group. I mean, the worst reports are, you know, of torture and of the sterilization of women so that they can't have babies. You know, I think for many of us who work on this issue of China, we are desperately concerned that the international community find a way into China to do a thorough investigation and bring these practices to a stop. Talk about the other global alliances that'll be important for Biden to reaffirm as the U.S. and other countries try to blunt China's rise, tries to deter some of their uh, bad acts, including what we were talking about in terms of this genocide. The Biden administration, I think, very correctly has assessed that working with allies is essential. The Biden administration is going to need to move further, though, and embrace a much larger group of of nations as partners and allies. Because, again, to bring pressure to bear on China, to blunt them in the United Nations, requires, you know, many more than the 30 or 40 countries that the United States can typically call on. It will require reaching out to countries in Africa and Latin America and Southeast Asia. I think one of the really interesting moves that the Biden administration made was to put a longtime diplomat with experience in Africa, substantial experience in Africa, in the top position at the United Nations as our ambassador to the UN. I think that could be critically important in the ability of the United States to develop new kinds of alliances and partnerships with countries to push back against China. Uh, Because those are the countries, you know, the developing economies in Africa, Middle East, and Latin America and Southeast Asia that China traditionally draws on for its support. So, Dr. Economy, what are you most hopeful and optimistic about when it comes to the U.S.-China relationship under President Biden? I think I'm, I'm most hopeful that President Biden is going to reclaim a degree of U.S. leadership and dignity on the global stage, because I think the challenge that we face with China is not well-framed as a U.S.-China relationship, but rather as a challenge that China poses to global norms and values. So that means, you know, freedom of navigation, it means free trade, and it means human rights and good governance. And China brings a fundamentally different perspective and approach to all of these issues. It is trying to transform the current rules-based order, you know, which reflects U.S. values. And so we want to preserve it and we want to improve it. And so I think President Biden's commitment to U.S. leadership on the global stage, to working with our democratic allies to ensure that we preserve what is best about the liberal international order, that's what I'm most optimistic about, is that he has that ambition and I think the potential to, to reassert U.S. pride and global leadership. Dr. Economy, thanks so much for chatting with us today, for taking time out. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. If you could please take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you get our latest episode each week delivered right to you. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Rachel Cohn. Haley Thomas is our senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. 
David Toledo is the team's production assistant. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see y'all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.